Hey, Anitra. Hey, Steve. Why does a fish swim in salt water? Why? Because Pepper would make it sneeze. Oh, that man. was actually funny. <laughs> that's reasonable. I, I like that. I, I, that's that's a true statement. Yeah, I like it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Engage, a family gaming podcast. My name is Stephen Dutzman, and I am your host, as always. This is the official video game and board game podcast for EngageFamilyGaming.com. EFG is a website where parents like myself and my co-hosts come together to give parents and families the information they need to get their family game on. Folks, this is episode 125. Yes, that means I have been allowed to do this for almost three years, um, which is bananas. Um, But really, I'm only allowed to do it because no one can stop me uh, because I am my own boss. So um, this week, we're talking about board games, um, and I am joined by three more people. One of them, a regular board game host, that is Rob Kalajian of The Pawn's Perspective. How are you, Rob? Great. How's it going? It's going all right. Um, I forgive you for blowing me off at PAX this weekend. We'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> but I do forgive you because I understand there were kid things going on. And But that's... So he's, he's around a lot, or at least you should get used to him. But we do have two very special guests. I have Andrew and Anitra Smith from... The Family Gamers, how are you two? Hi there. How's it going? We are good. You're good. good. I, are you? I answered the question. Yeah. Good. You're answering Fine. the question. Um, <laughs> so I know you guys don't normally record on Mondays. Are you feeling okay? Are you like limbered up for record? Because normally you record on Sunday nights. Well, right? we, try, we, we, we try to record not on Sunday nights because uh, if we record on Sunday nights, then I have to edit on Sunday nights. And that makes a grumpy Monday for me. <laughs> that's um, fair but but the last time we recorded was like wednesday in the afternoon like noon because, time and i couldn't handle it uh, because our, our last show nice. we we interviewed someone from england and oh. we didn't want it to be midnight for him so yeah that's awfully nice so man. yeah it's been a, we, we're good we're we're good we're good we're, ready? we're ready to right, go fair enough oh, yeah. um i am somewhat distressed because it is uh because monday night raw is on and wrestlemania was yesterday so i'm 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 yeah, but anyway i'm i'm a nerd uh, folks. So, um, before we get too much farther, now that we've done some introductions, I do want to take a moment before we begin to thank you folks for listening. Um, the games we've been playing have been great, or at least that's my understanding. We want, And I certainly hope the games that you've been playing have been great, too. Uh, we want to make sure that our podcast is as interactive as possible, so please feel free to reach out to us on social media or email me at editor at engagefamilygaming.com with your ideas. Um, as I've said, Topic, the gimme topics will eventually fade away, and I want to talk about what you want us to talk about. So, um, guys, I figured we would start by going around the horn, as we always do, because, um, man, do we have a bunch of games to talk about, um, including one very, um, dare I say, uh, hot one. <laughs> <laughs> He's full of it tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I'm on fire. Oh. oh. Um, and then I thought... Um, cause I spent a lot of time at PAX looking at board games that were going to be on Kickstarter relatively soon. Um, I thought we would talk about this new trend of bananas expensive Kickstarter games. Um, because it's starting to make me feel a certain kind of way. Um, and so I don't know about you guys. So I figured we'd go there. Does that sound good team? Yeah. Sounds yes. good. Sounds like the $7 itch. Is that no? 
I, I believe it or not, I really don't get that reference. So okay. sorry, John. Sorry, John. No, 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 no. You don't. We can leave it in. I don't have to understand every reference that's you make. Fine. No, that's fine. I think okay. you're older that's than okay. me. So it was uh, not that. How old are you? I was born in 1980. I am younger than you. Whoa, sucker! I think I am. In fact, <laughs> actually, no. Wait, that's true. That's true. We've figured this out before. I'm the oldest I guy in so. the room. I think. Right, Rob? You're younger than me. I was 81. All right, I was so. also 81, and nature was 82. I'm the baby! I am... 82. I'm the old one. If my wife were on here, she would be the oldest, but... Okay. I like to point that It was a bad attempt at referencing the seven-year itch. All right, the that's fair. The famous movie with Marilyn Monroe. All right, fair enough. Oh, okay, I know what you mean. That's, what, that's, a, that's, that's a dated reference. A deep cut, if you will. Um, <laughs> a little bad. Okay, so, um, as is traditional... We go around the horn. So this is the uh, segment in the podcast where we talk about the games that we've been playing recently. Um, I want to get right to it. Um, Andrew, you drove many, many miles to go play Fireball Island, which is currently yeah. on Kickstarter. Um, and how did how how was it? Tell me about it. Uh, it was good. Uh, so we went. Uh, so I live in central Massachusetts. We dro- we drove up to the castle in Beverly, a wonderful gaming cafe with uh, some fa- fabulous hosts. It was a great time. Um, I saw a family gamers button in the wild, which was super cool. Um, but uh, you don't really care about that. You want to hear about the game? Uh, Fireball Island was fun. Um, I played it a little bit when I was a kid, not a ton. So it doesn't. The nostalgia factor for me is. It's present, but it's not like intense, right? I know for you, it's like it's hardcore, uh, mega nostalgia. So, um, the, here's the here's the thing about Fireball Island, the new Fireball Island that I thought was really remarkable. Um, so, in the old game, it's you you're trying to get the heart of Volcar, right? Like that's yeah. what you want to do. In in the new game, it's just another thing to get you some points, and it's not even like. You know, there's some games where if you do a certain thing, like like the snitch in Harry Potter, like <laughs> technically it's only getting you there. some points, but it's points. It's so many points you're going to win the game. It's not like that with the Heart of Volcar. So the Heart of Volcar is worth seven points, but um, there's these other treasures all over the island, and as you pick them up, the various treasures, and you know what they are when you pick them up. Uh, it's not like they're secret. Uh, are worth different amounts of points. Certain ones are worth two points a piece. Certain ones, if you get, if you have the most of them out of everybody at the end of the game. Um, you get 10 points. So if you think about it, if you have the most of that treasure, you get more points in the heart of Volcar, which okay. is kind of weird, right? But at the same time, it, it means that the game is less of a like panicked struggle to get to this one place, yep. right? It, it kind of rewards exploration a lot more. And the other thing about the game is it's not a classic roll and move anymore. Um, at the beginning of the game, you get two movement cards, and the movement cards are never just like you move four spaces. They're always things like, you know, uh, move four spaces and then flick a, uh, what do they call them? A fire opal, which is these, there's these marbles all over the place. And uh, you kind of pick one and flick it in the direction of, you know, your, your uh, opponents and watch your it tumble, tumble down the mountain and, and hopefully kill them. Um, or there could be things like, um, you know, move six spaces and rotate Volcar once, and then take all of the um, uh, the whatever marbles they, in the, the special the special marble the special marbles in the scar, and and you know put them through Volcar and see what happens. Uh, okay. So, and then there's things like run, where you move twelve spaces, but you don't get to pick up any treasure that you pass. You know, so there's all sorts of things like that, and so 
the the way the game kind of works. So first of all, it's a little bit more strategic because you have these cards that you have to use to move around. Yep. Um, but also the only t- there's only two ways to get off the island. One of them is that you have to capture um, one of the one of each color of these like fo- like snapshots, um, mm-hmm. and you capture them by landing on or just passing over a, a, a space that has a snapshot icon. Yeah. Um, a, a particular of a particular color, and then you you know you draw that card. So you can't leave the island at the beginning of the game unless you have a green, a blue, and a red snapshot. Okay. Um. And during the course of the game, the the movement cards mixed in with those are the cataclysm cards, right? So when you draw a cataclysm, you take however many uh, marbles are in the are in the scar, and then you, and then you dump them through Volcar, and everybody dies, and everybody's laughing, and it's hysterical. Um. Every third cataclysm, you add another marble. When you add the fourth marble, the snapshot restriction is no longer um, in play. Okay. And you that, just at that to get the heck out. Yeah, at that point, it's basically a race to the helipad to get out. Um, but the thing is that you can be the last one, or you can even, you know, not get off the island. Basically, um, well, I mean, I guess in theory you have to get off eventually and still win the game because you have picked up so much treasure and managed to not get killed right so if someone flicks a uh one of the fire marbles off and and knocks you down they get to they get to take one of your treasures of your choice um and so there is a little bit of that back and forth um kind of mechanic where if i manage to knock you down then i get your treasure um and then there's also souvenirs which are kind of like these special ability cards that allow you to do things like uh you know water bottle will allow you to get up and kind of go some like appear somewhere else on the map or there's there's all sorts of things like that so it's definitely a lot more strategic um i really like how much more vertical it is than the old fireball island uh which they did because it's three pieces um that kind of stack almost pyramid like instead of just the one big large piece in the old fireball island um i i have a picture and if you'd like i will send it to you uh because um jr had put on the table the old one and the new one right next to each other uh, and then, so I snapped a picture of that so I can send that over your way if you'd like. I also have some slow motion video of a cataclysm event, uh, I, <laughs> which which I can send your way. I, w- I would love to see that. Um, yeah. But I think you should probably just, I mean, are you going to put it up on your Instagram or something? That's, that sounds yeah, like I will. That would do, I'll get that sounds like that. stuff that would do super well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I mean, we can't really talk about it visually because we don't know what the final game is going to look like. I mean, because you were playing on basically a handmade board. Uh, um, but so it, it, at the end, you said it was fun. Does it feel like this is one of those things that is um, do you get a sense as to whether or not it's going to be worth uh, or live up to the hype when it's all done? I know we're kind of biased because we know the people who made it. But what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think. So, I mean, we're, we're in a world right now where we have um, – there's just so much stuff on Kickstarter, right? Yep. And then you also have certain people uh, who will release things on Kickstarter that are just, like, supremely amazing, gorgeous things uh, that, you know uh, – I think of, like, the Grim Forest, right? Yep. So, Druid City Games, Grim Forest. You know, and, and some people could say that something like that is over-engineered, and I don't really agree with that, but I definitely understand where that's coming from. Um you know, but Grim Forest was a forty-nine dollar game, I think. I think so. Um, yeah. And you know, and and this is sixty, and it's like, I don't, I don't think the art quality is going to be quite, you know, Druid City level art quality because Mister Cuttington's not doing it. But like, when you look at the components that are in the box, I mean, it, yeah. I, I can't say that it's not worth sixty bucks. 
You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. At the same time, it's like it. I don't. I mean, if if you're a deep gamer and you're just looking at this purely from a nostalgia factor, and you're like, you, usually you're 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 cranking through, you know, Zolkin and uh, you know all that stuff. I don't know if this is going to be the game for you. Other, you'll play it a couple times and be like, "Oh, I remember this," and then never play it again. But you know, if you've got kids in the house, like Steven, I know you do. Yep. I know we do. Like it, it's, it's going to appeal to that demographic. It like it's not a deep game, and they know it's not a deep game. They're not trying to make it a deep game. They're just trying to make it a little bit less of this kind of frenetic random chance roll and move thing. Yeah. Uh, and I, th- I think they've accomplished that. I, you know, there definitely is still some development. You know, we. Uh, because we had that much calmer environment at like stupid o'clock on a Sunday night, uh, you know, we were able to sit down with Jr. and have some conversations about things that we liked or didn't like, or things that worked or didn't work or or whatever. Uh, and he was still taking notes. So, um, you know, they're certainly still working on some of those balance level, you know, related things. Um, but I mean, I think the game's there. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's 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 there and it's worth playing. Um, I know that you. Uh, I don't know if you want to get into um, how much you funded the game. At. Oh, I backed the full Volcar because <laughs> at some point I was just like, bruh, listen, I got to do this. Um, I mean, it, so for for sake for those listening, I mean, rather than dance around it, I'm looking at the campaign right here. Basically, there's there's two meaningful levels for those of us that would be listening. I mean, if you own a brick and mortar store, it's twenty bucks to get your name in the door so that you can order copies later. But um, it's you can either back it at the base game, which is sixty bucks, which really isn't that bad. Like like you said, Andrew, I think sixty dollars is not unreasonable, especially since it does include. Uh, one of the expansions. Admittedly, it's mm-hmm. just like cards, but whatever. It still includes something that, if you don't buy it, you'll have to pay for later. Um, but the for one hundred and thirty dollars plus shipping. You know, if you're in the United States, it's fifteen bucks. Um, that's not bad. So one hundred and forty-five nets you the whole kit and caboodle. Uh, if because I have three kids, two of whom are like right in the wheelhouse for this game. Yeah. Um, and so I sat here and was like, I'm nostalgic for this game and I've never owned it. Um, and, um, I'm a, so setting aside the fact that I'm a content creator and this is one of the biggest games of the year, just by nature, the fact that it's a huge game, it'll look great in pictures. I'm sure Anitra already knows is, is already planning out all her shots to get this thing, right? Um, being that you're a prolific board game photographer, right? Like, we're... She, she is pretty amazing, right? Like... I, I, well, I, I'm the one that's supposed to say that because you're, so, you're like, required to say it. I, it's a compliment well, when I say Now you can it. agree. Now you can yeah, agree. okay, good. Yes. So, okay. so yeah. I'm striving I, I mean, for competence. Competence. <laughs> I say prolific because uh, you, you do it a lot. Um, and I like the pictures that you take. So, I, nice. that's why I went in. I went full Volcar... Um, because I, I didn't, because the FOMO was real. Like I did not want to miss out on this one. Um, because I did miss out on the grim forest initially. Um, well, I mean, you can get that. The only thing you don't get with the grim forest at retail is the sleeve, which is super sweet. But I mean, well, it's, it's, it's the right way to do a Kickstarter exclusive. If you ask me, but I had to wait, but it's not. Well, I had to wait though for for like a month and a half while you were sitting with your copy of the game, taking yeah. pictures of it, and being like, "Check out Look my three little game. check out my three little piggies, punk." And I'm like, "Yeah, I got it." So I the FOMO was strong, 
Um, so I, I do want to give you two more little little nuggets that are yeah. legit. Uh, so first of all, like the game is the size that you saw. Like oh, yeah. it's that big, right? And the box for it, it, it pushes like Gloomhaven size box. Yeah, it's a big box. Um, and number two, and I thought this was awesome. Um, so I did not realize this, but apparently somebody figured out way back when that if you played Fireball Island with atomic fireballs, it totally still worked. And so uh, obviously unwrapped. Um, and so they made sure that when they made the new game, you could still play it with Atomic Fireballs. That's actually yep. Atomic awesome. Fireballs were actually just a little bit larger than the uh, the marbles that came with the original right. game. Right. So, of course, what did JR do but pull a giant bag of Atomic Fireballs out of his backpack, uh, unwrapped one, and, and proved that and in, indeed new Fireball Island will support the Atomic Fireballs. That <laughs> is... Awesome the kind of attention to detail that I really get down with. So, um, so folks, if you are interested, if we have piqued your interest, um, as I say a lot when we talk about featured Kickstarters, at this point, this thing's a pre-order, folks. This thing's been, this thing was funded in less than 66 minutes, to be specific. They say an hour um, in their profile picture thing on uh, Kickstarter. I call shenanigans. It was 66 minutes I was watching. Um, and <laughs> they've made almost $1.3 million. This is an experienced team. I don't expect any real shenanigans with, with this. It's not like you're going to spend your money and it's never going to come to you um there might be some delays because this is weird but buy it it's supposed to come out in time for christmas this would be a really cool thing to put under to put under a tree or to get you know so um if you if you're interested it's basically a pre-order now speaking of things um actually this is a that's not even a really good tradition rob you were chewing on the game box for uh mario gamer Mario Kart edition the other day and it weirded me out. Um please tell me you didn't eat the entire thing and you actually played it. I did. It was delicious. Oh, it was delicious. Okay. Well, did you put a little salt and pepper? Did you need sriracha to like make it go through or No, you know, you just got to get the cardboard a little wet to soften it up first. Yeah. Uh and right. then it's just it's just fine. No, no. I uh, You know Good what fiber. that picture that picture came from um Daniel Zayas had yeah had picked it up at GameStop and he, he bit it for some reason. So then uh, Michael Wright from unfiltered gamer, he was like, Hey, I've got it too. And he like bit his copy and I'm like, Hey, well I've got my fancy press copy in my fancy box. I'm going to bite it. The problem is it's like three times as thick as the box. So I had to really stretch my mouth to try to, yeah. and it tasted, is, it tasted is that like, like a um, gold medal biting thing. Is it, do you think it was that? Maybe all I know is it, it just it really tasted like dirty cardboard. And when I was done taking the picture, I'm like, this was sitting on my my doorstep all day. Oh, and I just put it in my mouth. It was kind of gross. Well, guess what? Um, that I mean, it's fine. It's all for the sake of content creation. It's all it's how you for get the, a good immune system. It's for the hashtag. It's for the hashtag content. So. Um, uh, what I find interesting, what I found interesting was because I saw Daniel Zayas put that up, and uh, I saw him do like an unboxing video. Like he was hype to the moon for this game, um, and the number of people who were like, "Dude, why are you hyping up a Monopoly game?" Um, and those people <laughs> who are in the know being like, "No, really, bro, Monopoly Gamer is really not that bad. It's a different game. It's just the same skeleton with different meat on it." Um, yeah. So last year when the first Monopoly Gamer came out, I mean, it was buzz everywhere. And I was like, oh my God, yeah. people are going nuts over this stupid, like, you know, not, and I, I do a lot of Monopoly stuff. 
Um, but I'm like, whatever. And then the more and more I saw it, I started to catch the bug. I'm like, okay, I need to get this because everybody has it and I don't. And then, uh, and then Hasbro sent it to me um, and I played it and I was like, wow, this is, this is legit good because, I mean, a game really can't last more than like 45 minutes. It has like a built-in timer. Um, and, and so that was the original Monopoly Gamer. Monopoly Gamer Mario Kart is a, is a similar game. It's almost identical with, with two small tweaks. Um, so it has this built-in timer. So the game can't go on forever. And it's not about bankrupting the other players. There's actually a rule that if, if somebody has nothing and they've got no more coins, you're, you're going to give them a little bit because it's not about... Uh, bankrupting people. It's having the most points, and you do that by getting coins, by getting properties, and in the in the case of uh, of the Mario Kart version, winning races. Um, and it just it plays like a Mario Kart game. You're you're, you're throwing turtle shells and you're dropping bananas. Uh, bananas are one of the new features of the Mario Kart version, where you you can drop a banana, um, and if somebody lands at a spot with a banana, they instantly have to stop. Um, so it's really great, you know, for getting people to land on your properties or to land on a, a thwomp, which makes them lose lose cards. Um, and in the original uh, Monopoly Gamer, every time anyone passed go, you'd flip a boss card and you'd fight a Koopa Kid, and you had to pay to fight them. You had to roll a certain number, um, and then at the end you got Bowser. So in this one, every time anybody crosses go, you flip over a Grand Prix card, and it's a race. So any player can pay to race. Whoever rolls the highest wins the race. It's very simple, um, but again, once the I believe it's eight races are done, the game is over and points are calculated. Uh, and there's just lots of special powers. Every character is a special power. Every die roll is you move one to six spaces, and the other die is uh, a special effect. You get three coins. You hit someone with a lightning bolt, and they have to drop coins on the board. You hit somebody with a blue turtle shell, they drop three coins on the board. So everybody's just racing around, dropping coins, picking up coins, doing these races. And like I said, it's like 45 minutes, and it's done. Um, every Every property has – or every – I guess set only has two properties instead of some having two, some having three. Um, and it's all coins. It's all one and five coins. There's no tens, twenties, a hundreds. Mm-hmm. It's just very simple, very streamlined and a, and a, a whole lot of fun. I mean, that sounds awesome. Andrew and Nitra, did you guys play Monopoly Gamer last year? Or? I have not had a chance no, to play we, Monopoly we Gamer at all. Get into the Monopoly gamer trend for some reason. Uh, I mean, we, we. I think that it Our was get, love it. it was getting kind of hot, and then we picked up Super Mario Level Up, yeah. and that kind of filled our yeah um, okay. Nintendo board game quota, I guess. Um, <laughs> that sounds plus, reasonable. We did we did the the big epic mega Disney trip last year, uh, so there yeah. was a long period of time where we bought nothing. Well, because you had <laughs> you had stuff going down. Yeah, that was yeah. yeah. So, so that's why we didn't we didn't get into the Monopoly gamer thing. But uh, I mean, it sounds like a lot of fun, and I would totally play it. You know, uh, given the opportunity. So, it scratches the uh, the collector itch too, because they, they get you. So you get X amount of characters in the box, and they are these little plasticky, rubbery figurines. So you get like mm-hmm. Mario and Peach and whatever. And in in Mario Kart, you get Mario, Peach, Luigi, Wait, can, and Toad. If I could, if I could pause for a moment. Are you saying yep. Mario or Mario? Mario. 
Okay. You can, pronounce, <laughs> you can get fast and loose with your pronunciation. A couple times you said Mario. Uh, whatever. I'm Italian, so I could say whoever I, I, I want. I was literally going to ask if you were Italian because that's a very Italian thing to say Mario. I'm like I'm like half Mar- half Italian. So. You're half Mario. Oh crap! <laughs> I'm half Mario. <laughs> half Mario. Okay, I I will forgive because it's not Mario. It's Mario. I'm I'll say it however I please. All right. It's me. I, I mean, Mario. Well, See. Anyway, you can buy extra characters yeah. for for Mario Mario oh, Gamer. Man. Um, <laughs> so you can get like Boo and Rosalina and Wario. And uh, and in the original one, Toad was extra, and so was Luigi. Um, so you get all these other characters. Um, in the in the new in the new version, um, they will be coming out. They're not out yet, uh, but there's I think Bowser, Rosalina, uh, Wario, and somebody else coming out. Waluigi, I think. I wish. I don't think so. They don't have Waluigi. Oh man, dude, they are missing the boat. On that one, I'm hoping maybe they release him as like a special because who doesn't love Waluigi? I don't know. He's going to be my main in uh, Mario Tennis Aces later on this year. Um, which, by the way, um, official uh, uh, inviting all of you uh, to um, EFG sponsored Mario Tennis Aces tournaments. Um, I'm just saying, and anybody's curious, <laughs> you know. Um, so, um, so I, I don't have Monopoly Gamer uh, Mario Kart yet. I suspect that that will be happening shortly. Um, I, I, we, I went all in on the Mario Gamer thing because this is before I had a contact at Hasbro. So I went to my local GameStop and bought all of the things. And I was wow. very – I was judged uh, by uh, some of the people that were in there being like, why is this dude buying all this Monopoly stuff? And I was like, you shut your mouth. Okay, this is important to me, um, and my kids absolutely love it. They play, you know, they played it with the daycare kids back when, because that came out when the daycare was still in operation. Um, so they played, um, you know, and we still, you know, it doesn't hit the table constantly, but it is still very fondly remembered. Um, and I, I have a feeling that the Mario Kart one's going to do the same thing. Um, here's what's cool: if they're going to put out a new Mario, like Monopoly Gamer Mario Edition every year, I am. Just fine. Just just keep doing it. I don't care. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not fine. I want I want I want Zelda edition and Metroid edition. <gasps> okay. So, See, I, w- I like if they did something with Zelda, I would be in well, with bells on. You would that's, you would be all over that like. Yeah. Well, so I mean, I think that's inappropriate kind of metaphor inevitable. here. That's, that's fine. Like you give me you give me Link. You give me you give me Zelda. You give me Midna. You give me Midna. the champions from the new one, and then oh, you give fine. me like okay. special collectors edition Dark Link. I'm good. Yeah, oh. no, they're definitely gonna do. I mean, I think that that's they're eventually the well from Mario is gonna run dry, right? Because like, unless they're gonna put out like, you know what I mean? Like they've done Mario Monopoly Gamer just Mario edition, and now they're doing Mario Kart. Maybe they can squeak a tennis out. Maybe, but I think really that that would be mm. a stretch. So I think really the next thing is more Nintendo stuff. Um, because I, I agree. But I, I have a feeling that before we see Link and Metroid, I think we would see Donkey Kong. They already yeah, have him in, in, in the first one, though. And Diddy Kong. Yeah, but Donkey Kong Country, like Monopoly Gamer, Donkey Kong Country. That would like, be kind of cool. Like, I mean, it just feels like, because keep in mind, they have... A lot of donkey. I mean, they got Cranky Kong. They got Funky Kong. 
Yeah, but I feel like they're kind of in the same world. I don't like, necessarily disagree. I, I'm just. I saying mean, that they could just be expansion characters to the to the existing game. I don't I necessarily like. disagree with you at all. I mean, at the end of the day, I have no inside info. Nintendo, my Nintendo rep still calls me Stephanie, so I really don't know. Um, <laughs> um, I should now we could go. Stephanie. Could I go Monopoly game or Smash Brothers. Oh. Uh, yeah. Oh, see, uh, that set off. That was so fire. Uh, it set off an alarm. All right, so um, yeah, I, I agree on the whole Monopoly gamer Donkey Kong. Like they are kind of in the same world. I don't really know. I mean, the reality is now that they have done two, and this one is going to sell. I mean, Mario the the Monopoly gamer I saw at Walmart. Right, like once it hit other retailers, yeah. We, ever, when we were holiday shopping, every time we went to a store, we saw one of those boxes in a cart. Right, because it was just it's an it's an easy way to just move, you know, because it was cheap, it was simple, um, and it's Mario and Monopoly kind of jammed together. Like, I think that who's not gonna like it? Right? Yeah, exactly. So, it's perfect yeah. for you know we got it for you know we bought like three copies to give to people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that we'll probably see the same thing. And so this is just going to be an annual thing, and I'm okay with it. Um, Hasbro and Nintendo working together. I, I would rather they work together than do battle. So, <laughs> um, now, you know. I will say you don't need um, you don't need both. I mean, you do, but you don't. Um, they're not so different um, that you're you're missing out if you don't have one or the other. But you do need both. Because one has regular characters and one has them in little cars. I mean, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. So, I want to talk about my game. Um, I played Heads Will Roll. Um, So, I'm sure most folks, you probably saw, I posted some pictures about it on Instagram. Um, Heads Will Roll is a dexterity game made by uh, Lay Waste Games, so the people that are responsible for Dragoon. Um, and the story of this oh, game's yeah. creation is super simple. Uh, a guy named Matt Fantastic, who runs uh, Elm City Games in uh, New Haven, Connecticut, um, was just fiddling with the, the pieces, you know, like after a show. And it was like picking them up and roll, you know, some of the extra pieces that they had because, you know, that they give out at conventions. And it was like, you know what? This feels really good. You know, I really like rolling these pieces. Um, and they just sat down and basically game jammed. Um, and, you know, within over the course of, you know, a relatively short span of time, they had a game. Um, and it involved sourcing a lot of the same pieces and molds, etc. that the Dragoon team had been using for their game. Um, and they just figured out the number of pieces they need, and they were selling it at PAX East for 12 bucks. Um, I think they their initial copy run was around 500 or so, and they sold them in less than three days. Um, wow. Which is super impressive. Um, I mean, I think one of the hidden advantages to this is, like, there's lots of people who see the awesome Dragoon pieces um, and, like, the Gold Edition and find out that it's a $90 board game and go, oh, maybe not. This is a great opportunity yeah. to be like, oh, but I'll get this for 12 bucks. Um, I mean, Dragoon's yeah. going to be, you know, Dragoon's going to be crazy once you can buy the plastic one because um, the plastic yeah. pieces are, are coming. And that game's going to be a whole lot cheaper when you're not buying literally gold dragons. Um, but so Heads Will Roll is very straightforward. It has two sets of matching colored skulls, uh, human 
ish skulls and a golden skull um, and a dragon skull. Um, and the uh, you roll them, um, and then you have to flick the dragon head through gates, which are um, the gates are formed by you know drawing a line between the two matching colored sets of skulls. Um, and you get two points for getting through the silver gate, one point for getting through the black gate, um, and then one point for your dragon head hitting the golden dragon head hitting the golden human head. And that's it. Hmm. That is it. I just taught you the very, game. Um, very uh, past the pigs inspired. It was very similar. Originally, actually, it's funny that you mentioned that. I was talking to Matt Fantastic about that, um, and he actually said that their first game was going to be like a past the pigs style thing, just with the scrolls. Uh, but now they, but they decided rather than doing that, they would just do kind of a, a dexterity flicking game kind of thing. Um, hmm. It's super easy. You can play it anywhere, um, and it was twelve dollars. And they're they are now they are very convinced that they that this is going to be a big seller. So I'm pretty sure they're going all in on this thing. So it, it'll be on distribution channels very soon. Um, I had a lot of fun with it, man. You know, every time I walked by their booth, and they were right on the end of the board game area, um, you know, kind of underneath the uh, skywalk at. Um, packs so like anytime i saw it i would walk over and just play a game because mm-hmm. it's super easy super chill takes 30 seconds to to really grok it um and you can play it you know casually while having a conversation um this is gonna sound this is a deep cut but as a larper i can appreciate the fact that it is a game that i could 100 percent bring and it would be in genre because it's just little gold statues and stuff mm-hmm. um, sure mm-hmm. sure which is, that is a very deep edge case use for this thing. <laughs> um, but but I feel the same way about TAC. Um, sure. So, or TAC. Is it TAC? You guys can correct me. I think me. it's TAC. TAC, all right. The, I've, I tell you I've, what, it'll be TAC so you can say Mario. Mario, oh, fair enough. Um, it'll be, yeah, I, I, I interviewed James Ernest on my show. I should know how his game is said, but I'm, it's... It's the day after WrestleMania. I was up until midnight, so you guys can forgive me. Um, so, I really dug it. Um, did you guys see some of the pictures and stuff? Yeah, it looked really neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so there you go, folks. That is um, Heads Will Roll. And that's, like I said, going to come relatively... You know, I'm, they're, they said specifically that they're going to go to distribution with it because they are very confident that it will sell very well. And who doesn't want free money? I do. Pretty um, much. So, Anitra, you, while we were talking about our, you know, like doing the pre-show thing, you had mentioned that you guys have a board game on your Nintendo Switch, and I got confused. Yeah, um, well, so it, tell me it's confusing. It. It, is, it is an electronic board game. It is only available digital. Um, the game okay. is called Sumer. Um, Sumer, it definitely feels like you're playing a board game. It's a worker placement game that you're um, you're in ancient Sumeria and you're basically building rooms in a ziggurat and each room you can put a worker in and they do something and it, it gives you something to earn yourself favor with the goddess. Okay. Um, but the thing is that each round is played in real time. Hmm. And so by making this a digital game... It allowed them to to make the, make it 
have this real time feel without needing to stop and be like, wait, how much do I get? You know, if I go here and wait and, and all the bookkeeping. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a fun game. Uh, our kids first saw it at, Unplugged. um, Unplugged. yeah, I think I, I was, I was trying to remember if it was Boston figure packs unplugged, but Unplugged. no, our, our kids first saw it at packs unplugged and loved it. Kept coming back over and over again. Be like, can we play again, please? Um, so I am so beyond excited that it is now finally available on Switch. Um, it's been on Steam for a couple months. Because everything's better on Switch. Yeah, well, because you can bring it to the bath. I mean, to bed. <laughs> as far as my children are concerned, it's a lot better on Switch because I can just hand them the two Joy-Cons and there's no messing around with, mm-hmm. you know, sitting at the computer and who's touching what buttons and, you know, who's pushing who. And I can set them on opposite sides of the room and it'll still be fine. <laughs> Super reasonable. Um, it is worth noting, Toilet Zelda is better than many other kinds of Zelda. So don't you, you? It's okay to say that you play that you use your Switch in the bathroom. It's fine. Toilet just Zelda don't is tell a special my, kind of Zelda. Just don't tell my children. Yeah, oh, well, they, that's that's a grown up. Thing. That's a grown up thing. <laughs> that's a grown up thing. So um, anyway. So I so I'm looking at the uh, trailer now. How have I missed this game? It was at B Fig and Pax Unplugged. No, it wasn't. It was not. It was not at Fig, but it was It was at Pax Unplugged. Um, it was the only video game at Pax Unplugged. Well, I mean, I, I completely missed it. You know, right? Like all three of us were there, and somehow me and Rob both missed it. Um, admittedly, my Pax Unplugged experience was a little kind of taken up by the fact that I was working a booth. But so, how many players can play this thing? Um. I believe it only goes to four, um, but you can do it any combination of of real people and AI. Um, oh, okay. Uh, so I'm watching a video of it right now. This looks really cool. Yeah. So you actually are taking your turns in real time. So there's like yeah. platforming to it? So there's a little bit of platforming because that's how you get to the different rooms in the ziggurat. Um but oh. I mean, it it's not it's not a challenging platforming. It's you go up or you go down, and that's it. Um, yeah, it's. This looks. I was awesome. amazed that, I mean, when when our kids first saw this, our our younger one, Asher, was really barely starting to read. Mm-hmm. But since most of it is symbolic, he cottoned onto it right away it was it was great like i never got the chance to play it because i if i was over there the kids were playing um so i'm excited for it to come to switch because it means i'll actually get a chance to play you will actually get a chance to play it this is this is finally the reason for us to buy more joy cons well i'm sold i'm sold (laughs) and you can always play it on the toilet (laughs) also true also true yes um, not not as ev- a family, though. That's weird. <laughs> that, was, that is super weird. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could if it was one of those bathrooms from, like, the Sochi Olympics. <laughs> okay, well. No walls. Okay, this went sideways. <laughs> Welcome to Engage, a family gaming podcast. Um, this is how we do here yeah. um, I guess the old, the, old, like, the old troughs at Fenway Park. <laughs> Yeah, I'm um, a woman. I I yeah, know no you trough. Know, of but yeah, you don't know a trough. Yeah, so uh, it's worth <laughs> noting this was at Bfig in 2015. 
It re- wow, really? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Was it 2015? I'm having trouble reading the... I'm in their Kickstarter right now. Yep, 2015. This thing's won all sorts of awards. It was. It won an IGF award, uh, the NYU Incubator Award. Uh, it was at the Indie Mega Booth at GDC in 2016. It was at Boston Fig in 2015. Um, and it, it was um, the best gameplay nominee for the Playcrafting NYC Awards. Obviously, the guys are from New York. That's what I'm guessing. Um, <laughs> so... They, I, I believe they went to um, they went to college together in New York, and okay. now, and now the rest of the the end of the development process they were all doing remotely, because yeah, you because, know that's that's fun. Because we live in a we live in a sci fi future where you can totally build a game and sell it and not see each other ever. Um, except at conventions. Except yeah. at conventions, um, which is crazy. I mean, you know what? Restoration Games is the same way. I mean, they're all over the yeah. place. Um, so they got people in Florida and they, I don't even know where JR's from. Um, but they're all over Texas. Oh, he's from Texas. Oh, so he is, that's far. Um, so, <laughs> so this is Sumer. Let me look up, uh, how much it is on switch because you guys in for sake of, uh, I believe they it's sent 15. You a code, right? They, they did send us a code, but yeah. I believe it's $15 both on steam and on switch. It's definitely 15 bucks on steam. I think. Steam, it looks all right. You know, it's just a you know nice game to throw on a laptop. You know what I mean? Um, fourteen ninety nine on Switch. All right, it's fourteen ninety nine on Switch. That's really not bad for a board game on on the Switch. What do you think, Rob? Have you uh, does this does this sound interesting to you? It does, and I'm I'm surprised I haven't come across it. Really, um, me either. Me either. I, but I'm totally I've, I'm, I'm totally already down on their website sending them an email. Well, I mean, we're honestly, you telling me that they were at Boston Fig surprises me because thinking back, I don't remember seeing them, and we go to Boston Fig every year. Yeah, well, maybe, we don't spend a lot of time in the video games. Well, but that's just the thing. Maybe, maybe they were shunted up into some back corner of video game yeah. land. That so. happens a lot. The video game area is hard to organize because it's, you know, you have harmonics on one side and then, like, student projects that are, like, no, I'm just here so I can get a B in my class. Yeah, well, and, and it's also about 30 degrees warmer than any other room on that oh. campus. Oh, you know what? Yes. I'm used to the video game area. Um, next year, I'm just going to have my son go and just have a GoPro and just he'll just do it for me. <laughs> It'll save me a lot of effort. Funny story about B-Fig, total non sequitur. Um, literally everyone there, uh, especially all the people that we met on the way home, thought me and Linda were married. That was really interesting. Um, I can see it. Well, I mean, it's not unreasonable. I mean, it's a, you're wearing hats and shirts to say engaged family gaming. I mean, oh, truly, yes. But let me tell you, the look we got on the waitress's face when I said that I needed to bring my wife home a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> that right there was comedy gold because we let it stew for a second, give it one of them little pregnant pauses, and then and then Linda was like. We're not married. This is a work trip. <laughs> oh, and then Ev- and Evan kind of was in on the joke too. He just kind of was sitting nice. there eating his food. It was amazing. Anyway, so um, so that's Sumer. I'm excited. I'm actually really excited about Sumer um, because I had no idea it existed until you told us told me about it in our pre production meeting. Um, so I'm like really excited. Um, let me tell you about a board game I played. Another board game I played um, for the first time that both of you are going to be like, "What the hell is wrong with you?" I played Star Realms for the first time the other day. Oh my uh, god, dude! If it makes if it makes you feel any better, we've we've it. owned it for like four or five years, and I've I've never played it. I mean, I knew it existed, 
right? Um, and because it, it's been around, and like that, that company is prolific. I mean, what do they have? They have like four different games right now, five. Um, I think they've got three with yeah. one that they just kickstarted. Yeah, the Kickstarter. So they had a big booth at PAX, um, and they had digital versions of all their stuff rolling around. Um, and so Debbie Moynihan, their um, you know one of their marketing directors, was like, "Listen, you got to come to my booth, or I'll be disappointed." And I was like, "Well, I'm not going to make you mad, so let me show up." She didn't actually say it exactly that way, but it was very clear that it was a good idea for me. <laughs> Um, and they sat me down, and I it was we were supposed to just do a quick like thirty second demo, and so we did like three turns, and I was like, no, dude, we're doing this. <laughs> um, I took three turns of this game, and I was like, no, we're finishing this. Um, and I crushed him like a grape, like a grape, Rob, like a grape. Okay, so I will say number one, I I love Debbie. I met uh, her and Rob uh, my first Paxies a while ago. And Rob is one of the only people who does not listen to me when I say, if you beat me, I will give you a bad review. Because any time I sit and play with him, uh, so I did with Star Realms, I did with, with a prototype of, of Hero Realms at a convention. And I mean, he just wiped the floor with me. Like, there was, there was nothing left of my body. I was, I was liquefied. Well, um, I mean, the guy is a world champion magic player. Like, I mean, that's just, the thing. <laughs> But that that White Wizard is is awesome. If you like if you like Star Realms, dude, you gotta play Hero Realms with well, the. That's the coming next. Deck. She and I she and I talked very briefly. Um, you know, and it's basically they since I had never worked with them before, they didn't want to just send me home with a crate full of their stuff. Um, right, right. Which I think is reasonable. Um, so it, but I really really liked here uh, Star Realms. It is. So to sell you guys on it, because I'm, I have to resell you guys on this game, Andrew and Anitra, because if you've owned it for five years and never played it, let me tell you why this is good. It's way less complicated than you think it is. Like, it's got a lot of words and nonsense on it, but unless you are, like, anti-space, which, like, my wife, anyone who listens to Engage Your Family Gaming Podcast regularly knows that my wife does not like space stuff in general, um, which is really sad because I, I want to buy Twilight Imperium and she's like, I don't want to play it. And I'm like, well, I don't know who I would play it with then. Um, you guys will play it with me, right? If I get Twilight yeah, absolutely. Imperium? Yep. Okay, yep. good. That's, <laughs> Speak that's for yourself. Way, that's, that's fine. That's fine. fine. We, could have, we could have dude time and play Twilight Imperium for 14 hours. Um, <laughs> yep. um, and that's a short game. Um, so uh, you, got, you guys enjoy yourself. That's fine. It's fine. We'll bring home snacks when we're done. Um, so the um, it is really fast, and I really think that what you need to do is just set the game up and then take a turn. Because once you take a turn, game over. You know what you're doing. Like it's that it's that straightforward. Um, it just looks weird if you're like flipping. Because with card games, what's the tendency you have to just sit and flip through the cards? It can look a little overwhelming, um, and I'm not like trying to like game explain to you how to learn a game because I know all three of us, you know, <laughs> we're all we know what we're doing. But this is one of those games that I know can. It looked intimidating when I was just flipping through the cards while he was kind of giving me the elevator pitch and we were doing the tour. And then I was like, all right, let's do a couple of turns. We did two tur- turns, and that was all we were supposed to do. And then I was like, no, we're finishing this. Um, it is so good. Um, I love the bright colors. It's not grim dark, which is something that I particularly like about it. Um, mm. You know, it's way more Star Trek than it is Babylon Five, if you know what I mean. Like, it's more. I'm, it, I completely it, know what yep. you mean. Um, 
And I think that is really cool. Um, you know, it's, it's spaceships and, you know, blobs and, you know, whatever. Super love it. Um, and it's cheap as all get out. I mean, this Star Realms, I think, is like 15 bucks on Amazon right now. Um, I They do sell a one, one piece of accoutrement that I really recommend is they do make, it's 12.46 on Amazon so it's basically stealing um they have a game a, it really is i mean buying a, a, a full like board game that you're going to like actually enjoy for $12 is is basically theft um it's legal theft but it's still theft um they have a star war a star a star wars a star realms playmat um, and I actually kind of recommend one of those if you can find one inexpensively enough um just because i really think it just just makes the game play a little bit better, I think, um, just because it keeps things organized. Um, but really, folks listening, Star Realms, we're going to have a review up of it probably within the next couple of weeks, um, but I I cannot recommend it enough. It's pretty rad. Here's what's super neat. It's a two-player game. They have Star Realms Colony Wars, which is basically an expansion, but if you buy, the sec- buy that expansion, you put them together, it's a four-player game now. Um, oh, that's neat. I am a huge fan of expansions that you could either play all on their own or jam together with the original game and, um, you know, get something different out of it, a la King and Queen Domino and things like that. Um, so that's Star Realms. Who else has played something that they find I- I- that they thought was uh, worth bringing to the table, or are we done? Uh, Dude, I, I finally uh, – oh, sorry. I will let you go first because you are the guest. <laughs> I – um. So we got to the the castle a little early yesterday, and uh, we figured since we had to pay to get in anyway, we might as well pick up a game and play it. Uh, we played two games. We played Morals, uh, which is a the mushroom foraging game, which is okay. Uh, but then we played the Grizzled. Have you played the Grizzled? I have heard of it, and I started trying to learn it, but then I I stopped. Tell me all about so, it. So okay, so it's it's really not that hard to it, it's it's very different, I think, than a lot of other games. So um, it's it's a little bit of extra effort to get your head around the rules, but it's really not complicated. Yeah, I he so he was telling me all about it and then pulled out the copy that we bought recently. Uh, a the, month ago. Yeah, the fun again yep. going out of business yep. sale. Um, and like it took about 10 minutes to kind of wrap our heads around how turns worked and stuff and then we yep. were off and playing yep. so and, and trying desperately not to lose from the very first yeah turn. so it is a it's a cooperative game and you're you're playing it's it's originally a french game and it's based during world war one um and basically the way the game works is you are all trying to survive just survive the war like there's no great victory or whatever it's just you're just trying to stay alive uh i, I believe it's framed as make it to peace yeah yeah pretty much and, and so what happens is um, you start with 25 cards on th- – there's these two like special cards. There's the monument card and the peace card. And you start with – you have a deck of, of uh, cards that represent like your, your morale reserve. Um, and you start with 25 cards on peace. Um, and basically the, the leader, which is one, you know, one of you – actually the, the, the rules of the game are that the hairiest person is the first player. Uh, <laughs> Um, chooses the, quote, intensity of the battle, which is basically how many cards each person's going to draw. And what you have to do is you have to play cards into no man's land, which is in the middle of the table, yep. um, such that you never have more more than two of 
uh, any of these the six like negative things. So there's snow, nighttime, rain, losing environmental effects, and then there's gas masks, uh, whistles, which in, which indicate like uh, like a raid is coming, um, yeah. or bullets or shells. And uh, if ever you have three of those things, then you basically bust. It's kind of a, a push your luck game. Okay. Um, some cards have uh, trap icons on them, which means that you have to draw a card off the top of the deck and hope that it doesn't, you know wreck you guys um but then there's also these things called hard knocks which if which are part of the same pot the same deck that you draw from and if you get those they're all like negative effects on your character yep and and so uh basically you you go around until uh either you bust or everybody has just has chosen to withdraw from the battle uh and if everybody withdraws from the battle successfully the cards that were all played in the middle get discarded, uh, and everybody uh, is able to play a support token uh, in secret, which lends support to one of the other players. Okay. Uh, and and that if, if you are the player with the most support, you can do things like remove hard knocks uh, or get some good luck. Yeah. But basically. but every round, whether you busted or not, um, you look at how many cards are left in everybody's hands yeah. and move that number of cards from the morale deck onto your deck that you're trying to get through to get to peace right so remember how i said at the beginning of the game you have a deck with 25 cards in it and those are on top of like this peace icon and then the other deck is the rest of the cards and they're on top of this monument and so as the game's going on the your morale reserve is shifting from on top of the monument to on top of the piece which means the piece is getting a little bit farther away and your morale um, is going and down. your morale reserve is going down <laughs> And so you're kind of you're sort of racing against the dra- the draining morale reserve to play through the cards that are on top of uh, of the peace card so that you can get to a place where nobody has any cards left in their hand and it's peaceful. But it's just like it's a, such a freaking slog, but it's a slog like intentionally. And so it's it's really consistent with the theme of the game. OK, if you know what I mean. Um, and I, I don't know, there's something about it that I really, really like. Listen, I mean, uh, I, I'm excited about it. Rob, what do you think? I heard hairy, gassy, and decreasing morale, and I just, it really hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, th- I think that's the interesting thing about the game, though, because, like, it's like, oh, crap, that again. Like, it's just like more bad stuff is happening to me. Why? And then you're like... Okay, this is a game about World War One France. Yeah, I haven't, like, okay. I haven't really played a game that, that was so um, simple and easy to pick up that felt like it fit a heavy theme so well. Yeah, like, you know what I thought about was, uh, do you remember the game This War of Mine? Y- yes. The, vi- the video game? Yeah. Like, that kind of, that bleak, like, perspective on war. Um, I don't think it was quite as heavy-handed as this War of Mine, but it was kind of that similar kind of like, well, I just got to survive, you know, and that's the idea of the game. Well, I mean, we got, at one point, um, we got a Merry Christmas card, and we got so super excited because it, it's like the one card in the deck that actually does something good <laughs> instead of just doing more and more and more bad stuff. Right, and there's literally <laughs> one card in the entire game that is Merry Christmas, you can take away one hard knock. Like... <laughs> So, but it's a, it's a little game. I mean, you can get it for probably fifteen dollars. Um, it's just a deck of cards and uh, a bunch of cardboard punch out tokens. tokens. Yeah, well, let's, uh, uh, I like I liked it. Let's find out, shall we? Because we have space computers 
Mm-hmm. And that means there was never anything that I that I can't find out. Um, okay, never that never say never, but you guys know <laughs> what I mean. Don't make fun of me. Um, there is an expansion too. The, yeah, is is it? Um, so it's twenty bucks, and there is an expansion called At Your Orders. Um, mm-hmm. Which is fifteen dollars. So for thirty five, you get the full thing. Um, I think my favorite part about the Grizzled is its art. I really, really dig the yeah. art style. Just the aesthetic really kind of grabs me. Um, and it's it's about World War One, which is super depressing. Is it World War One? It's World War One. Yeah, it right? is. Yeah. Yep. World yep. War One. Yep. Super depressing. Um, it's funny that you mentioned this war is mine. Um, because first off. Um, this War is Mine is a super, like, the game that I, the, the copy of the game that I was given is the, is the, the, the Little Ones expansion, you know, the one about kids. Oh. And, oh, uh, I was like, nah, bro, I'm good. I cry at Disney movies. I don't need to make decisions <laughs> about, like, you know, whether or not to give the children toys. Like, I'm good. I'm fine. <laughs> um, that's like my, like... They, they, that's just not great for me. Um, <laughs> but it, it's the uh, while I was at PAX, there was a that company was there with a new game called Frostpunk, which is basically um, it's imagine everybody. It's not for children. Uh, it's a strategy game where you bring your society to a frozen planet because you have no other options and you have to figure out how to keep everybody warm. And w- there are a number of options. Um, and gameplay mechanics built around how you treat the children in your new world, including do you make them Ugh. work? Do you... And, and I'm just like, oh my god, you guys just want to torture me. Um, I was like, no, I'm good. This looks... Gr- it's beautiful. And I'm glad that you're making games, and I'm glad that you're all employed. This is not for me. Um, so anyway, Rob, you had... I, I think you had one more. Just, uh, you know, we, we talked about it in length last week, but uh, Carla from Weird Draft Games did send me a prototype. Yeah. Uh, fire in the library. Um, so I've been I've been playing that with my my eight year old, um, and it's okay. it's really cool. It's it's pretty light. It plays super quick, um, and I was I was really impressed with it. It's going to have my my write up this week, um, but I mean we talked about that enough last okay. week. I just wanted to mention that I did get it. I played it, and I think it's cool. Fair enough. Um, so uh, Anitra had to step out for a moment, which is okay. good because I bought it for her for Mother's Day. Awesome. She's a reader, <laughs> so she's so she's going to be excited about buildings being set on fire. Well, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Those of you who are curious, um, there by the at the time that you are listening to this, there will still be about twenty four hours left on this campaign. It's definitely a pre-order. They're like a million percent funded. Um, and it's like 24 bucks for a copy of the game if you live in the United States. That's not bad. I mean, with the stretch goals, and it did, there's some decent stuff. Yeah, there is some. Uh, it's 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 one of those games that is doing so, so well that I really enjoy seeing the stretch goals unlock because it just makes it better and better and better. Right, right. That's one of the things that I love about Kickstarter, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Kickstarter uh, when we come back from our break. But that's one of the things that I like about it is that some of these things just kind of get a certain momentum to them, and the games, like, you back it initially, and you really kind of dig it, and then eventually you're like, whoa, this game is getting absolutely crazy um, with just these little extra pieces, you know what I mean? Just these little touches. They don't even have to really go crazy. I don't know. I'm a big mm-hmm, fan. Mm-hmm. 
So why don't we take a break? Because we've been talking, we've been going around the horn for a long time, but that's okay because there's four of us uh, and we love giving advice to people. Then we'll come back. We'll have an ever so brief discussion about, um, or or a long one, up to you guys, about uh, super expensive Kickstarters and how they make us feel. So we'll be back in a minute, guys. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Engage, a family gaming podcast. It is still episode 125. I am still your host. We're still talking about board games. I'm still here with Rob and still here with our wonderful guests, Andrew and Anitra. Um, so we went around the horn again and again and again, and I was very happy about that. Um, and so now I figured we would have a little talk about Kickstarter, because one thing that I have noticed... Um, you know, it's been a while since I've, like, really gone bananas backing games on Kickstarter, but one thing I have noticed in the last, I'd say, like, six months or so is that there have been a lot of campaigns that were very, very expensive. Like, how much was that Batman Kickstarter, Rob? It was, like, 300 bucks. I think right? All In was, like, 300 or more. Man. And you know what? It's also worth noting that this is... That it was only until recently that I started hearing about the All In tier you know what i mean like it used to be Mm -hmm. like i backed myth when myth was on kickstarter right that was one of the first big ones that like blew up and you would buy like the captain it was 100 bucks and he got a bunch of minis right but like now it's like okay so now they figured out this model and kind of churned it out so that they know how much they can get from people i don't know these these really expensive kickstarters like they make me feel a certain kind of way guys you know, like I'm not, I just don't, it doesn't feel I right am, to me. <laughs> I'm not a fan because there's these, these games that look really, really awesome. Right. Yeah. And even if your base pledge is say 60, but there's an all in for 150, 200, 300. And I'm, and it's the way they're marketed is I don't feel like I'm going to get the full game at yeah. the base price. Like, yeah. and it's, it's very obvious that I'm not getting the full game. Um, and I just, and there's so many of these back to back to back. Like, Steven, you know, I, I mentioned this before, like, I don't buy games. I just, I have no reason to. But, I, you know, every once in a while, like, I see something I would, I'd like to pick that up, like Dinosaur Island. I would love mm-hmm. to grab that. I'd love to grab Batman. I don't care how bad of a game it is. It's, it's Batman. Yeah, it's Batman. But I don't have that kind of money. To just even on one of these Kickstarters that are 150, 160, $200, it's hard to justify spending that on a game. You know, one thing I will say that's good is that I think that some, at least some uh, publishers in the, in the industry are kind of catching wind that people are pretty sick of that. Uh, like, the, like the, uh, the Harry Potter game, which yep. was going to be, which was going to be on Kickstarter. And they decided, you know what, this thing is going to sell. And mm-hmm. there's enough negativity around Batman and the fact that it's so, so incredibly expensive. And I'm not, and I'm not even necessarily saying it's not worth it, right? I mean, the game looks at like the production value of that game looks like off the chart, mm-hmm. right? So I'm not saying that, but, but they, they look at it and they said, look, there's, there's a level of negativity here that we just don't need. We don't, we don't need this thing to, um, you you know to to masquerade as a Kickstarter when it's really a pre-order. Yep. Just pre-order from our site. 
you know? Um, and I think they looked at it and they said, it's going to sell a bajillion dollars worth. Yep. So we'll just include all the stretch goals in it anyway and just and just, just pre-order it, guys. Yeah. So I actually, like, hats off to those people for that because I think that's awesome. Well, and the thing about Batman, too, is that it's Kickstarter exclusive. It's not going to retail. Like, you get you got one shot to back it. It was over the course of the month. And if you didn't do it, tough luck. Well, it's gone. I'm not, and I'm not sure I believe those kind of claims anymore either. Because, um, man, way back in the day when um, Robot Turtles, yep, was kickstarted, the guy was all about like, I'm just doing it this once. I, you know, I thought this was a great idea, but I'm not really interested in going into business for myself. So if you're interested, like this is your one and only chance. Yeah, but I mean that that first of all, that was a different time. It was a different time. Like I'm not I'm not upset that he got licensing for it. I think it's great. I'm glad that more people. Can yeah, play I the game. I mean that was a case but, where I just I don't think he ever anticipated that a company would actually just want to license the game from him. Yeah. Like you, you know, I, I mean licensing a game to a publisher is a completely different ball of wax than from it releasing yourself. it on Kickstarter. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, you, you see things think like fun, didn't think fun just throw a bunch of dollars at him. Probably, I, I mean, I don't know what the I dollars would be. I can't blame the guy. Right, but you look at something like uh, like Kingdom Death Monster, which I, which for me, that was like the first really big, really successful game you saw on Kickstarter, and it wasn't a known IP. It wasn't anything. If if this dude had all the money in the world and was able to push that into retail, I don't think it would have sold. So it made sense for that to go to Kickstarter. It was so popular. He did a second one and was actually able to put some copies on store shelves, even though it's a $400 game. But that's one of those kind of like those outliers there Mm -hmm. where Batman's a known IP. You know, you know, people are going to go crazy for it. And then you say, hey, it's a Kickstarter exclusive. Now, if it doesn't become a Kickstarter exclusive, that makes it even worse because then you have all these people who did rush in and like, I'm one of the special ones who got Batman. And now they're like, oh, wait, now everybody's got it. Yep. And it's just these I love I love Kickstarter. I love seeing indie games funded, um, even like the first time Dinosaur Island, you know, came through Kickstarter. It was like, hey, cool. And you like Druid City Games. They're doing some cool stuff. with Kickstarter. The games are a reasonable price. Um, but we're seeing a lot of these just big expensive miniature laden games where the gameplay might not even all be there. I mean, you're buying a box of miniatures and that's what you're guaranteed. You're not guaranteed a good game. You're guaranteed a lot of good miniatures and it's, well, that's like the seam on model, right? I mean, and it's, it's set. I mean, and I will say like Zombicide, the first one came out, it was kind of cool. I played it. I think that was before uh, they had it. Um, and yeah, Black Plague and Green Plague look really cool. Okay, expensive, a lot of miniatures. Now they're milking it. This this new sci-fi one, it just looks bad. Like it doesn't even look good anymore. Well, like, the models are kind of cool, but the artwork isn't as good. And like, but they're still charging. You know, they want a ton of money for it. And well, At this gonna, point, people I, are just lining up. Uh, yeah, I, but I think that that's so. I think that that is going to be one of those. Thinking specifically about Simon, um, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, that's Cool Mini or not. It's a company that their entire business model is: we get a third of the way through developing a game, we put it on Kickstarter. We use that basically to we use they use Kickstarter to basically be their pre-order system. 
Um, yeah. And so, the, like, they just don't need their own internal software. They just use Kickstarter for, you know, all their, you know, for their initial um, pre-order system. And, it, I mean, it's awesome for that. Um, and it was great for them, and they built a whole business on it. Um, but now they, I think that there's going to be fatigue. Um, you know, we see it a lot, right? Like, it's a matter of somebody going too far. I think um, a good parallel... Um, being that I cross both genres dealing with board games and video games, I think loot boxes are a decent parallel here, right? Because there's a way that they can be done well, right? Like in Overwatch and some other games where they are a thing and you can choose to participate or you can not, you know, you can opt out or whatever. Um, but then eventually, like somebody pushes it too far, right? And I think we're getting there where there's just certain Kickstarters that are just, like, leaving a sour taste in everybody's mouth. And like Andrew said, I think that's one of the reasons why they took the Harry Potter license and were like, nah, listen, this is not not going to sell. Like, th- there's no risk in selling a Harry Potter miniatures game. Let's let's just back out. Because, I mean, there really isn't any risk. You sell a, 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 a known IP, like this Street Fighter game that Jasco has right now, right? Like, I've been eyeing this like crazy... But if I had, but I had to choose between it and Fireball Island, I think I made the right choice. Um, like we don't have any idea if this is going to be any good, but it's like one hundred and fifty dollars for like some cool Street Fighter amiibos. Dude, like, you made the right choice. I right now I won't touch Jasco with the ten foot pole. But I really want those Street Fighter amiibos, though. <laughs> um, and and well, I really wanted those Mega Man miniatures, man. But that game was just a giant well, turd in a box. I'm gonna buy it. I'm gonna. <laughs> buy it. I mean, yeah. I'm hoping. Um, I, I'm hoping that I'll be able to grab a copy on eBay. Is really what what I'm gonna do. So I'm sure there's gonna be some disappointed person. But anyway, enough about me and Street Fighter. Um, now, I mean, I, I think, although maybe I'm wrong, right? Like, maybe maybe I'm just kind of waxing philosophical here and thinking about, like, somebody's eventually going to break the rules and, like, push it far enough. I guess if Batman didn't do it, well, I mean, I guess Batman could still do it. Like, what happens if Batman comes out and it's just a complete bust? Like, we're talking, like, C-bound level, like, bust. Because, I mean, I've seen so many people burning their copies of uh, C-bound recently. Like... You know People what I mean? People are like, going to forget, and they're going to back the next big thing because it's the next big thing. You think? Yes. Oh yeah, they I will. Don't think it's I, it's the it's the hype train. You know, people are going to pay because they want to say like, "Hey, I'm I'm in on this." Yeah. Probably. At least with Batman, if the game if the game is that terrible, I mean, you're getting like what two hundred miniatures if you're all in. You make your own Batman miniatures game, or use it for the uh, the other Batman miniatures game that's out there now. Actually, I really like the... I love the idea of someone buying the Batman miniatures game on Kickstarter. It being bad. And then a bunch of, like... Like a family from, like, Hoboken just rolls out and is like, No, we made it better. Here. Here's we got the- a new I, game. I keep, uh, I keep waiting for that to happen with the Mega Man. Yeah, I'm sure somebody's <laughs> working on it. Um, Did you guys... I mean, speaking of, like, similar thing... Have you guys... You guys have seen um My Little Scythe, right? Yes. Yes, yeah. of course. I need that so bad. I need like I've I've started to source the materials. Like I'm absolutely going to build that thing. Um but anyway. Um so like so how so I guess the real question is as the as the four of us um as game purchasers, how much is too much? Is there a line? 
I think I'm because I feel like I crossed it when I dropped 150 on Fireball Island, but like I needed to because it's Fireball Island, you know. But like, well, I'm I'm cheap as all heck, so for me the line is actually super low. Okay. <laughs> um, but I respect that other people want to spend you know a hundred bucks, 150 bucks, 300 bucks on a game sight unseen. I'm just like, yeah, no, I I can't do that. Um, I I just barely talked myself into the idea of backing Fire in the Library, which is nineteen dollars, um, right. and then was and then was told that I shouldn't because because someone else was already backing it. So <laughs> basically, like, don't don't back this because you're you're already gonna get a copy when it comes out. So just shh. <laughs> um, but like that's that's about where my level is. Like a game sight unseen. Like I've seen you know a video and a couple of still shots. Twenty bucks is about my limit. I think that's super yeah. fair. I think I mean because we're dealing with things that that we really don't know. You know. Yeah. No, I'm with you. It's it's tough. I mean, I mean you know my, my situation is I I'm a dad of four. Uh, I had a lack of on. Uh, I don't buy games mostly because I have I have games coming in and I don't have like a I don't have a gaming budget. Um, I barely have a a budget for my site. You know, I whatever comes in goes out and that's yeah. that's that. But I, I couldn't see paying like I, I could buy a Nintendo Switch for three hundred bucks. Right? But or I could buy Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Granted it's two different things, but I mean I don't know. It's at at some point, well, when does it really like? Yeah, you know what? It's a board game that's way too expensive. Um, I love games in the the twenty, thirty, forty dollar range, fifty, sixty bucks. That's that's not too bad. Once you start going above that, it's getting it's getting a little a little rich. You gotta you gotta really really think about it. I mean, it's something that you know hits all the right buttons and. It's something that, you know, you've maybe had an opportunity to play and you really enjoy it. Like, example, I got role player for $53. I would probably pay more 60 or $70 for that game. I love the crap out of that game. Yep. But it's because it hits all the right buttons for me. Right? And, that's that's an exception to the rule. And you weren't willing to pay that much money until you had played the game. Right. And there are plenty of games out there that I would... that that They are a good price, and I would gladly pay more for uh there's one on kickstarter now and it's driving me nuts that it's not doing well it's rebels of ravenport um i previewed it it's an inexpensive game and it's it's easily worth like 10 15 dollars more than what they're charging for it uh, just because it's a great game especially with with the family it's awesome um but yeah but there's some games that i wouldn't i couldn't imagine spending that kind of money unless i had played it and i really know this is something i'm going to play like two three years from now right yeah i just pulled the trigger trigger on on scythe it just came in today it was on super sale at amazon for like 54 bucks and i happened to have enough points on my amazon card to get it <laughs> and i'm like you know what i don't buy games and technically i'm not buying it because i i have rewards uh so now i finally own scythe uh, mm-hmm. But otherwise, I probably wouldn't have bought that, even though I know people say it's great until I would have sat down and, and played it. Yeah, we have yeah. a friend who um, I don't I, I don't actually know how many games he owns, but I know he owns Scythe and Rising Sun. And that's pretty helpful. 
Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said about not having to buy those yourself. Um, right. yeah. So, yeah, I don't know what the limit is for me. Um, I, I know that my limit is uh, is not really up to me. That's what I know, uh, because the general <laughs> will make it very clear whether or not something is appropriate or not. We talked about um, Fireball Island when I knew it was happening. And I knew it was happening a long time ago. Um, and I was like, listen, mm-hmm. this is one of those things that I'm going to have to do. Because, <laughs> you know, so, like, this is, you know, whatever. And, you know, she was like, haha, you know, whatever. And I was like, no, really. <laughs> I'm going to have to do this. Um, and so it was, at least we had talked about it. <laughs> so, I mean, we knew it was happening. Um, but I really don't know. Like, there, there's a lot of games, especially kind of like what Anitra's saying. Like, I, I get nervous about some of these. Because as someone who, re- I mean, who used to review Kickstarter games, like, yeesh. You know, I've seen, I mean, how many boxes of index cards have we gotten, Rob? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I mm-hmm. totally get it. So, and, you know, some of the games that we've gotten, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here in my office looking down at my shelf of games and I'm like, you know, there's games that I have, that I knew were good that I bought and it turned out I didn't really like them that much, you know? So like, I think that there, there is a certain risk to buying any product, um, man, I've, I've certainly bought my share of video games and had them go south. So, folks, I want to hear what you have to say. Um, all of us are in the Engage Family Gaming community, which you can get to by going to engagefamilygaming.com slash community. I would absolutely love it, um, you know, when I post this art, uh, this uh, podcast into the group. I'd love to hear your limit. What is, um, you know, how, how much is too much for you on Kickstarter? And um, maybe you share a story with uh, a game that you bought that you were surprised and really liked, or, um, you know, maybe a stinker. Um, give us some some warning signs. Um, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say, uh, because the four of us, we could go on and on about Kickstarter forever because we're board game content creators, and uh, Kickstarter has been our life for the last, what, five years or more since it really mm-hmm. started taking off. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we could go on forever, but we don't want it to just be about us. It's about you guys too. So, um, please hop into the comments at engagefamilygaming.com slash community and let us know. We will all be there. And I am certain I will be there to answer questions. Um, and, uh, Andrew's obviously going to want to chime in to try and be right. So don't, so just, just <laughs> So, you know, just so it's so it'll come. It'll happen. Um, so, yeah, guys, this has been a fun episode. We should do this more often. Um, Absolutely. Rob, you don't have a vote um, every other week you're here. Um, I pretty, you know, so I appreciate but I appreciate you being here anyway. Um, so, um, Andrew and Anitra, you guys run a site that is very similar to mine but different all at the same time. So tell me, tell me about the family gamers. Give me uh, give me the, the, the elevator pitch. How long have you guys been doing your thing? You know, give us, give us the rundown. Sure. So uh, we started the family gamers about two, two and, and a half, half years ago, ago or so. Um, and basically, you know, it, I did a lot of, of video game journalism for a while uh, and then kind of shifted into, into the analog for a lot of reasons. Um, there was a lot of saturation in that in that space, and mm-hmm. you know, as the kids were getting older, I you know wanted to play games with them and stuff, and and so uh, about two and a half years ago, I said, you know, hey, listen, honey, um, I'm doing this podcasting, and you should do it with me. And she's like, 
Fine. He wore me down. What you what you don't hear there is he wore me down over years of being like, oh man, it would be so much easier if I could just podcast with you. Yeah, that's instead true. of having to schedule with other people. Yeah, that's also because other people suck. I mean, that's she, that's gee, thanks, yeah. Andrew. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't gonna say it, but I mean, he's also not wrong. He's also, also kind of not wrong. Um, podcasting with other people is crazy. So you guys have been doing this two and a half years. Um, yeah, so yeah. we release a we release a review every Monday ish. We'll, we'll leave it at this. We release a written review every week, and we release a podcast episode every week. Yes, yep. you yep. guys have been very uh, good about that recently. Your written reviews. Give yourself some credit. You guys are very consistent. It's you know it's work. We've actually been been managing to be consistent on that for almost a year now. Yeah, which is exactly. Fantastic. So give yourself give yourself a little credit. I'm just saying. Uh-huh. And I think I think we will um, we'll have probably the month of July. Uh, we will once again do our summer of fun, which means two reviews a week. Whoa! I know you wild know. things. You uh, wild things. So that'll be that'll be awesome. Well, you know, sometimes we, we did it last year because we realized that we had too many games in the review cube and we just needed to get through some. So we doubled up for for a month. And and now we have more. Yeah. And so now, much more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're still uh, working through the PAX Unplugged reviews. Yeah, these are the first is uh, to first world problems. Very much right? so. Yeah. Very much so. Um, but yeah, so you know, we we uh, we like to do a bunch. We do a bunch of stuff in the community. We have game nights at uh, at Barnes and Noble, uh, yeah. which is a lot of fun. Uh, we we have an article in the local paper, which uh, which is usually a game review or a, or a gift giving guide or something like that, which is pretty awesome. Um, we post stupid videos of us playing um, family-friendly dexterity games. Uh, that's a lot of fun. That's on our Facebook page. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram at FamilyGamersAA. So uh, it's pretty easy to get a hold of us. We're, we also show up in we're the, on the internet. We also show up in the Engaged Family Gaming community. Yes, we lurk in your community. Yep. You know that, though. So, I, yeah, so I do, in fact, know that. You guys are in there. Great additions to the great additions to the community because you always have something cool to say, um, and you definitely help me out because sometimes I can't get to answer people's questions in time, and you guys do it for me, so I appreciate that. So, Rob, you run Upon's Perspective. You roll out and put out so much damn board game content um, on a weekly basis. You make me ashamed of myself. It is uh, it's a lot of work, and I'm still working through my packs unplugged queue. Um, that actually makes me feel better, yeah, like a lot. Well, I was gonna better. say it made me feel really good to hear you guys were still uh, were still going through yours because I feel I feel really guilty that I promised most people like three months because generally my turnaround's a month, um, and I'm just I had so much stuff. So I'm gonna like here's here's just a little bit of how the sausage is made uh, in the board game review community. Um, I, we have this unsteady balance between um, wanting to get this content out to our readers and our listeners and wanting to make sure that next week we're still going to have something that we can use to generate content for our readers and our listeners. Mm-hmm. So, like, the last thing that we wanted to do was say, hey, you know, we we talked with 20 amazing companies at PAX Unplugged. Here's 20 reviews and then go, like, dormant for two months. Yep. So if it were even possible for us to write 20 reviews in a week, I mean, yeah, like, but, like we could, but, I mean, yeah. I could take a week off of work cause I never take time off work. Um, and, and, you know, plow through and do a, a ton of this stuff, but then would, but then what, then what, right. Yeah. You know, you don't want the site to be quiet. So it's, 
it's it's a it's a struggle, right? The struggle, the the first world struggle is real. I found yeah. I finally put myself on a schedule, and that seems to be good because I'm I'm moving through my queue at a solid pace, and but it's not too fast that I'm not uh, I'm not blowing through all my content really quickly. Right. Yep. Um, I don't have a big uh, PAX unplugged uh, queue because I didn't come home with a lot of games, so I guess it's different because I was. I was stuck at a booth. Um, yeah, but you came home with you came home with restoration cachet, so that's I, awesome. It was, but then I gave it away as part of uh, my giveaways. So um, because I don't know if you guys remember, but I gave away a lot of stuff um, mm-hmm. yeah. for the over the holidays. Let's just say um, I didn't plan super well. Did you know this is really expensive to ship multiple board games in? Um, yeah, it was very expensive. My business partner was very mad at me, um, and I'm, I probably won't be doing uh, giveaways quite that so, same way again. Pro tip, if you are mailing something more than about 100 miles away from you, you go directly to flat rate boxes. Do not pass go. Do not collect oh, $200. Yeah, but it still was it, – it, it, these were very large things. <laughs> we did five gift baskets, oh, and yeah. one of them got, like, downforce – and like it was very large. <laughs> um, that reminds it, me. Um, within a month, the Downforce expansion should be out. It is. Yep, I saw the map. Um, it's purple. One of them is. So anyway, folks. Um, so this is uh, this has been a wonderful episode of Engage, a family gaming podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed listening as much as the four of us enjoyed recording it. Um, we'll be back next week. We'll be talking about video games, and I'm hoping quote-unquote, not quote-unquote, I don't know why I'm quote-unquoting, fingers crossing uh, for a special guest um, to talk about Twitch streaming and to listen to me talk about all the wicked, rad video games that I played at PAX East. So, in the meantime, though, I'd love it if you could head on over to iTunes and leave us a review, because more reviews means more visibility. You know the drill. I've done this a dozen times before. So, until next time, this is Steven and Rob and Andrew and Anitra. We're all signing off. And I'd like to remind you to get your family game on. We'll see you next week, everybody. Bye. Bye. Later. Thank you for listening to Engage, a family gaming podcast. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week. So so now that we're at the end of the show, is this where we say sorry, John? <laughs> yeah, sorry, John. <laughs> yeah, sorry, John. <laughs> All right. See you guys later.